in a world of opportunity. There are certain individuals who take the leap into uncharted waters. The brave souls who go beyond the status quo and challenge old school ways of thinking. They are the entrepreneurs. Join your host, Reggie B, each week as he uncovers stories of perseverance, new perspectives, and the secrets of success through candid conversation with those who struck out on their own and survived. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, here's your host, the man, the myth, the legend, Reggie B. Hey, legends, welcome back to another episode of Entrepreneur One-on-One from Concept to Exit and everything in between. Listen, I got to tell you, we got a great guest joining us today, Nikki Cobble, all the way from, I think, in Destin, Florida. Is that correct, Nikki? Yes, sir. Yes, all the way from Destin joining us today. Now, let me tell you a little bit about Nikki. Nikki is a Florida State University grad, go Seminoles, right? Uh, Graduated in three years with a 4.0 GPA, and not only that, but was recognized as summa cum laude. Now, as if that wasn't enough, in 2019, she started um, her company called Honor, which was a credit card processing company. And within a year, expanded that into nine states, and she's still currently the COO of that company. But that wasn't enough. So, hey, in 2022, she developed, uh, grew, and sold a digital marketing marketing company. And in her spare time, she started her other current company, which is Outsource Aid. That's a virtual assistant company, and she's the current COO of that company. So, with that being said, Nikki, welcome to the show. Thank you, Reggie, and thanks for the fantastic introduction. I appreciate it. Hey, you know what? You deserve it. And and with that being said, you know, I got to ask, like, what's wrong with you? You're 22 years old. You've done more in, you know, your short time than than most people could hope to in a lifetime. Um, Like, do you not like the clubs? What's wrong with you? Why why are you a businesswoman? Let's uh, let's talk about that for a little bit. Mm -hmm. So, Reggie, you you hit the nail on the head right there. Uh, So no social life. That is my secret. (laughs) So the secret to my success is no social life, just grinding. So when I, you know, I did okay in school. I was that book smart kid. Right. And then I wanted to be a perfectionist in the work world as well. And when I say work world, I mean entrepreneurialism, not the corporate world. Right. Okay. Yeah. So there you go. There, there's a nugget for you right there. If you want to be an entrepreneur, you're going to be a lonely human being. So, so do it early so you can at least, you know, have a little bit of fun when you get older. Right. So, um, but no, Hey, that's great. Right. When you can be that dedicated and that focused at such a young age, um, you know, good for you. So, so I want to back up just a little bit before, you know, all the, all the business success and tell us a little bit about, uh, you know, Nikki growing up, what, what were you doing? Where'd you grow up? Um, obviously we know you went to, to university in Florida, but, uh, kind of walk us through the steps there and, and what got you to where you are. Yeah. So fortunately I kind of never saw myself entering the workforce as weird as that sounds. My parents were always home because they were entrepreneurs as well. So I didn't really get the nine to five parents growing up. Right. Um, so even as a kid growing up, I would sell things in my elementary school, like tech decks, which are kind of tiny skateboards. Yeah, yeah. I would yeah. sell to kids in the classroom and I would get in trouble for it because I guess you can't do that. And, <laughs> and then when I was in high school, I was babysitting. So I was just getting straight cash for, you know, doing stuff. So I never really worked retail per se. I was always right. kind of 
doing my own thing, kind of owning my own business. So once I got to college and, you know, they start shuffing the corporate world down your throat, I always resisted because I never saw myself making someone else money. I saw myself making money for me as selfish as that sounds. But um, so that's kind of a little backstory. Right. So when was it you you kind of felt like I know you said, you know, you kind of did this all all along, but you went to college. You must have went to college for a reason. Was there was there a reason for going to college uh, other than, you know, just getting a diploma? Did you have a path in mind that wasn't about entrepreneurialism? Um, I honestly did not know. Like I said, I never saw myself in the corporate world, but I also did not know being an entrepreneur was in my path. I didn't know that was my journey. So I kind of just went just as all kind of middle class people just do. You you just have to go to college, right? Right. You know, I was just raised. You got to go. So I was like, right. okay, I'm going. My sister went to college. We went to the same college. And um, that is kind of, you know, I did gain my independence there. Uh, it was, I, I went to college not having done laundry. So like I did important <laughs> things. I grew up a lot. Right. Um, but that is kind of, you know, by freshman year, I realized, okay, yeah, I don't want to work corporate. And I did start taking business classes. I minored in entrepreneurialism. So I did start taking the steps to okay. become an entrepreneur. Okay. So you knew at a fairly early age then that, uh, yeah, the nine to five, the building somebody else's dream just isn't uh, really going to be for me. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. So you, you knew you wanted to be an entrepreneur early on. Um, when did you st- when did you decide to start your own business? Were you still in college and you were having the ideas of the business or did you come out, take a little bit of a break, right? Everybody likes to take that, that little break afterwards and, mm-hmm. and kind of figure out what was your path? Did you just come out with guns of blaring and decide, yeah, or did you already <laughs> have it started while you were uh, doing your three years? <laughs> Yeah. So it was, and really it was just two years technically because my senior year was COVID. So no one even, so I was just in Destin, which is a beach town and just did work from home and it didn't feel like school at all. Right. But um, really it did start before graduation. So I was fortunate in that my parents own a one retail store. It's like a beach store here. um, And they asked for my assistance. I really wanted to help. So I started, I started doing their taxes. I started helping with marketing. I started doing all that stuff. And then um, Honor came along. My dad got presented with this opportunity. He asked me to come on as a partner. This is the credit card processing or right. payment yeah. processing. Yeah. Um, so we went in kind of 50-50 and then very shortly afterwards, um, let's say I just, I had to let him go and I took on and became <laughs> 100% owner and um, he's ha- he started doing his own thing. So it was right. really mutual but um right and then i started running honor so it did start about a year before i graduated right okay so explain the steps of honor T- tell people what honor is i mean you know i understand it's a credit card processing company but mm-hmm. um now how does somebody in their early 20s decide that doesn't sound like a very exciting let's face it right it, oh, credit sh- card processing doesn't sound yeah. like it's a very thrilling very you know woohoo it's it's um got all the bells and whistles to it so how is it you know uh, somebody in their early 20s decides yeah that sounds like an industry i want to you know cut my teeth in yeah so it did not sound like an industry (laughs) i wanted to cut my teeth in um it is just as boring as it sounds but it was just kind of a foot in the door situation that i took and i'm still running it making great residuals but i only work probably an hour a week on it so it's just entirely passive now but um 
my uh, we became an ISO, so an independent sales organization. So really, we're just glorified sales reps for a processor. So they okay. provide the processing, they provide the tier one support, they provide everything, and we kind of just sell, and okay. we can have sales reps below us. So we are our own organization, right? But we actually don't do any of the heavy lifting. It's almost like white labeling. Okay. Um, yeah. So the only good thing about it is, yes, I'm still making residuals. That's great. And it really taught me the fundamentals. So for everyone out there, I don't recommend you have to go into payment processing. That's boring. Right. But really learning how to sell and make those cold calls and cold emails and learning how to do marketing flyers. And it's so boring, but it's so fundamental. So I'm really grateful for it. Right. Yeah. And it's great that you you had that opportunity because I think you just hit the nail on the head and, and we'll dig into it a little bit more. But the key areas of becoming successful in business are the boring areas, right? Let's, let's yes. face it, right? Sales, nobody wants to be in sales. Everybody hates mm -hmm. sales. Cold calling, oh my God. It's like, you know what, just poke me with needles in the eye sort of thing. Um, and marketing, especially in today's world, it's marketing is probably one of the toughest things for those who don't understand because you got so many different platforms, so many different ways. At one time you threw a, um, an ad in a newspaper, right? Or the yellow pages, or you did, you know, direct mail marketing sort of thing. Mm -hmm. But now there's so many options. So what did you find with honor, you know, while you were learning seemed to be the best route for that type of business? As far as marketing, uh, marketing and sales rise. Okay. Yeah. So we did try a little bit of everything. We did cold calling. I, as ever, as most people do, I hated it. I right. took everything personally. <laughs> um, cold calling, cold emailing, you know, utilizing LinkedIn, um, even social media, which is so slow because it's very organic. Right. Um, what I actually came to find to have the quickest results is literally marketing in my area, you know, joining our chamber of commerce, going to marketing events right. or not marketing events, networking events, networking. And meeting people, shaking hands, not going to door to door necessarily, but really meeting these people and saying, you know, I am the face of honor. Sometimes, you know, a face will help, you know, literally putting Absolutely. a face in the name will help, Absolutely. shaking yeah. their hand and asking, not talking about me, not talking about my business, saying, who are you? What do you do? And then, you know, how can I help you? And that's how you make the the connections to get business. Right. And that phrase you just used right there, how can I help you? It's so important, right? Because, um, you know, too many, too many companies focus on the profits and not the people. And if you can just turn that around and focus on the people, the profits are going to come. It's inevitable. Mm -hmm. So, you know, good for you. I mean, mom and dad must have, you know, either taught you a lot or you just read a hell of a lot of books or something because you obviously knew the, the correct way to, to go about it. Um, you know, you talked about cold calling and hating it. I can tell you back in the early 90s, I had a vacuum cleaner distributorship company. And you want to talk about, you know, you took everything personally. <laughs> Try and sell a vacuum over the phone. Or we used to go door to door and, and you know, knock on doors, lugging this vacuum around. So, uh, yeah, been there, done that, and, and yeah. no thanks. So, um, so at what point then? So at some point in there, right? I mean, you, you obviously don't sleep. You're young enough. You can catch up at some yeah. point. But you did a, a marketing company. Mm-hmm. 
So let's talk about that. What led to that? What, you know, and I'm assuming it's probably from starting in honor, you, you started to see it, but, but mm-hmm. let me know what led to starting a marketing company and how did you go? You know what? No, before I get to that story, I want to back up. You yeah. expanded honor into nine states. Let's talk about that because that that's incredible itself. Sorry, I almost forgot about that. Talk about how, how did you expand and expand so rapidly? Yeah. So like I said, it really was, um, the foundation was networking and getting out there. So not, I mean, even, you know, people make a debate whether cold calling is better than cold emailing and, you know, the best form of digital marketing is Facebook or YouTube or whatever, but it really is getting out there, right. shaking hands, meeting people because those connections that I make and then, you know, with good customer service, it was just word of mouth. You know, someone in Florida knew had a cousin in Kansas and, you know, I have family in Kansas. Some of them are entrepreneurs and, you know, they know someone in Colorado. It's really just people know people. And if you treat them right, and if you do them well and bring them value, you know, I'm offering free credit card processing. It's kind of easy to sell. Um, right. You know, it, it truly helps people. So really it was start small, do well, and people will refer you. Yeah, that's great. Now it had to be tough though, because you must've just been coming out of the COVID uh, lockdowns and everything. So um, like I know here, you know, I'm in Canada. I know there, everything you couldn't, you couldn't network like that. Everything moved mm-hmm. to zoom everything. So did you run into sort of any of that hard, hardship or it had everything pretty much opened up by the time you were, uh, getting boots to the ground? Yeah. Um, I would say it, it started opening up as a nation, like on a, on a whole, right. But Florida, my area of Florida, at least really never locked down or anything which is like a small area of florida where we were just like "Ah, we're not gonna acknowledge it and so i was actually fortunate where it didn't really you know not that i was going out sick or anything i wasn't that person but um they were a little loose with the regulation so networking events were still kind of um available at the time okay oh that's great then yeah that made it a little easier to get started anyhow yeah, typical Florida. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, hey, that's great. So, okay, so now we'll, we'll move on to my my uh, next question, which I started there. Mm-hmm. What led to starting the, the digital marketing company? Yeah, so it was just an idea. So I'm always big at on um, see a need, fill a need, right? So right. I am constantly with my payment processing. It's B2B. So I'm constantly communicating and selling and working with business owners who all would have to provide me their website URL to get kind of uh, verified for the processing. And I realized, wow, their website sucks or they don't have one (laughs) or they don't have any social media. Like if you're a restaurant, you need a website and you need your menu on it. Right. Most of them didn't have it. Really? And so I kind of saw that and I went, well, I could start this agency, you know, hire a virtual assistant to do the work for me. And then, you know, they would fulfill the orders, I could just say, Hey, I'm doing your processing. Let me help build your website too. It seems so easy and simple. And I kind of just realized I didn't like stuff like that. I just, it brought me no joy. It was just more of a chore, like, Oh, websites. And if you're a perfectionist websites take forever. And so it was a great idea and very profitable, probably like I didn't lose money on it, but I sold it so quickly because I knew it's nothing is sustainable if it brings you no joy. So I just let go. Yeah. Really quick. And, and you know what? Like that is so important right there. And, and, you know, I, I preach, Hey, listen, if you can work at your passion, you'll never work a day in your life, it, but not everybody's passion can make them money, you know, depending mm-hmm. on what it is. Um, but 
it's so true. If, if you got to drag your ass out of bed in the morning and you're dreading, you know, firing up that computer or you're making those cold calls, people can hear the enthusiasm or the lack of. Um, so if you're not passionate about what you're trying to put forward, yeah, you'll be seen as a fraud very, very quickly. And, you know, it, it's it's worth its weight in gold to, to work your passion if you can. So mm-hmm. so you decided to get out of that. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. And mm-hmm. you know, you're bored laying out on the beach, I'm going to assume. And you had another idea pop into your head. Uh, you sound a lot like me, right? I'm known as the idea guy. I, I, mm-hmm. I sit and I look at something and, and it's like, okay, how can I make a bucket that, like, you know, it, it's, yep. it's always churning. So, so, you know, at some point, and, and you, you mentioned how you had, you know, virtual assistants helping you with the, with the company. When, when, and how did you decide to, to start the vir- virtual assistant company? Yeah, so pretty much immediately after that one, because I can't, I couldn't stay still for too right, long, and right. I get these ideas, and it starts off really slow, and then the second I can turn a profit, and these businesses that I made, they all start with zero dollars, yes. so it is very possible to start a business and turn a profit pretty much right. instantly, um, especially with virtual assistants being so affordable, but I'll go into that, but yeah. basically, just like I said in the beginning, um, Honor, I work about an hour a week on it. And that's because I hired a virtual assistant to manage and maintain it and just keep my residuals, you know, send cold emails so I can get some prospects, you know, right. every once in a while. Right. Um, when I had the marketing agency that was called Digital Digital Designers, I was going, I hired a team of VAs and, you know, just had to let them go. But there was, I knew there was something there. And I had other people, my parents, other business owners, clients go, how how do you have so much time? How are you getting this done? How'd you respond that quickly? And I'm go, oh, well, I have this, you know, assistant and they all just wanted it. Everyone wanted it. They saw the value. And so that's when I went ding, ding, ding. Like, I'm going to start offering this and screening them for people because no one knows how to no. start it. Right. You know, it's still kind of new. Remote work is huge now. Thanks to thanks to COVID, I guess. Yeah. And so that's how the idea sparked. And that's what got the ball rolling. Right. Now, like you said, you know what, a lot of people don't, don't understand um, the nuances of it. So how did you figure that out? Because I'm not quite sure where you get your VAs from. I'm going to assume it's overseas, um, Mm -hmm. where most of them seem to come from. Um, I know a lot are in the Philippines or areas like that. So how did you get these connections? How did you figure out that roadmap? Uh, I don't know, is there a book on Amazon, you know, VAs 101 for dummies or whatever. So Mm -hmm. how did you figure out that roadmap and get these connections to get these people to work, you know, with you? I won't say for you, but with you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, So best tip to learning how to do something is just to do it. Right. Because there is a point where you almost research too much and then you yes. just use your research as an excuse not to move forward. Analysis paralysis. Absolutely. Exactly. I am as well. Yes. Yeah. A lot of entrepreneurs are. We're, yeah. we're kind of perfectionists. We're perfectionists. And exactly. A lot of risks. And yes. so I did actually Tim Ferriss's book, Four Hour Workweek, Four Hour Workweek. brought me to to acknowledge what they are and kind of right. how they work. Um, it's an outdated book kind of now, but that's what brought my attention to it. Then I used YouTube. I leveraged that for, okay, who are, who are the best virtual assistants? Where are they? How do I interview them? Stuff like that. Um, and then I realized, you know, it is the Philippines, like you said, you know, yeah. very westernized culture, very minimal accent, all English, very hardworking, very low pay, right. um, which is, you know, sustainable over there, but, you know, very cheap to us. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, exclusively do it there. So, you know, you're not 
It's not like Susie's getting a Filipino, but then someone's getting a Indian. You know, right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then kind of moved forward from there and through trial and error and inter- you know, hundreds of interviews. Now it seems like I've kind of, I got the gist and I can be on a five minute interview and I know, all right, they're a good employee or they're not. Right. Okay. Yeah. And the one thing, you know what, um, cause I was inter- introduced to the VAs and I've had some from other uh, company owners on. Mm-hmm. And the one thing I like about it is, you know, you can be awake here, um, you know, working away and then we go to bed and because of the, you know, I think it's 13 hours, 12 or 13 hour time difference. Um, so your company really doesn't have to stop. Your, your company can be going 24 hours a day. And, and even that there gives you such an advantage over the people who aren't using, you know, the, the technology that's out there. And like you said, it, it's when you look at the dollar cost average of it, it's pennies on the dollar that it's costing you to, to have these people, you know, whether it's send out the, the cold emails or whatever it is. Um, yeah, it gives you such an advantage and definitely mm-hmm. more people need to take uh, advantage of it. So when you started this, right, everybody's big on business plans and that's something they, they teach entrepreneurs. You got to have a business plan. Mm-hmm. Did you have a business plan? Um, (laughs) (laughs) I think I know the answer to this one, but I wanted to ask it. I want to say kind of no, kind of yes, kind of no. So like we all kind of have an idea. A lot of it's in our head, right? We just have it in our head. Yes. Um, You know, a little bit's typed out because I read these books and they tell me to. They tell you you have to. Everyone tells you to, but it changes daily. So it's almost, my recommendation is yes, write it down. Yes, have an outline. But it will change daily and you have to be able to pivot. That's all being an entrepreneur is. Absolutely. Yes. failing and then altering your course of action. So yes and no, like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, we're on ab- the same page. Absolutely. That's why I asked the question because, you know, it's funny. And that's the thing, you know, like I say, you, you can learn two ways and, you know, you went to school, book smart, right? So you can be mm-hmm. book smart or you can be street smart or you can be a combo of both. But if I had to choose, I'm choosing street smart all day long because like you say, yeah, everybody tells you, you have to, you have to do this, you gotta do that. And no, you don't have to. It might mm-hmm. make it easier, especially when you get into an industry where you're kind of a trailblazer. There is no book, there's no road pay for you. So do you just say, okay, I can't do it because it's not in a book? No, mm-hmm. you just, like you say, you start it, you just do it, you figure it out, right? You fail, or as I call them, right? I've had plenty of learning opportunities, I call them, mm-hmm. uh, throughout mm-hmm. my life, right? And you pivot. That's it, mm-hmm. right? Don't take it yeah. personally. Like, <clears throat> you know, we all fail. Uh, it, it's just inevitable, whether it's in business or life, we all fail. So you get up, you don't play the victim card, and on you go. So, um, excuse me, I'm going to clear my throat. <coughs> mm-hmm. Did you, through any of your businesses, have a mentor um yes i I would say a definite yes so mentor from day one has always been my father you know he's obviously an entrepreneur as well mentor always gives me kind of life and business advice right um but then i also think and this is coming from a gen z person who kind of grew up with technology and youtube is mentor doesn't necessarily have to be someone that's in person it really can be someone that is you're watching on youtube every day or that you read their books or you listen to their podcasts every day i mean i'm sure you're probably someone's mentor right now right because you really are 
absorbing that content. So yes, I have um, a couple of people. I think it's important nonetheless. So if you yeah. can't afford to pay for one, utilize YouTube, um, leverage that to your advantage in every, any way you can. But so yeah, I've had a few in person and digital ones as well. Right. Yeah. Because, you know, one thing about being an entrepreneur is you got to be constantly learning. You can't mm -hmm. just sit on what you learn because especially in today's day and age, right? The, the internet is, you know, it's a double-edged sword. It's such a great thing because, you know, the world is wide open to you with a customer base. There's so much information out there. But on the other hand, there's so much information out there that it can be hard to figure out what's, you know, truth from crap. And mm -hmm. the world is your competition as well. So, so you constantly have to be staying up on, you know, especially marketing or whatever the latest trends are in your industry. So you can never stop learning. And, and when you stop, yeah, you get overtaken by somebody, by some 22 year old sitting in Destin, <laughs> Florida, who's looking for that next uh, business idea. So, um, so now that you've been in a, in business for a while now, I, I didn't ask you this and you, you may be too young for this and, and nothing against your age at all. I mean, I, I applaud you for, for doing what you've done. And that's why I thought it was important to bring you on here because, you know, I tell, tell my listeners that, listen, being an entrepreneur doesn't, it, it, not prejudiced. It, it doesn't care how old you are, what color you are, what race you are, religion, political affiliation. Anybody can can become an entrepreneur. Some of us may have different challenges depending on where we are geographically or whatever, but you can be an entrepreneur at 20 like yourself or 50 or 40, 30. It doesn't matter. So, um, but I didn't ask you, did a lot of people say you have to know your why when things get tough when things get challenging if you don't have a strong enough why to get your ass out of bed the next day you're not going to do you have a why or did you have a why and has it changed you know throughout your different businesses yeah i think to your point about my age it's definitely like I can see people that are older, like I'm doing this for my children and, you know, to leave a <laughs> legacy and, you know, to provide for them, to give them everything. Well, I don't have children. I don't have any dependents. I don't, right. you know, it, so it is a little bit different. I, I do have a why and it does a little bit change. Um, but really it's my parents from like a really early age always told me like the same, like they made a poster for me. And it's like on my wall and it's, she believed she could. So she did. And so like really basic and cliche, but like right. part of it really is I want to be a better version of myself every single day, like beat who I was yesterday. And that's a really big why for me, right. a really big motivator. Why do I want to do it? Cause I know I'm capable of it. I know I'm capable of being a millionaire by the age of 30. I just know I am. So that's a big why for me. And as it's, it sounds selfish, but it really isn't. It's just be the best version of yourself. Uh, so that, and then just, you know, stereotypically, I really want to make my parents proud. Yeah. I want to make myself proud as well. And I want to be able to support them if, and when they need it. So that's kind of my why as a whole right now. Yeah, no. And, and that's awesome. And, and, you know, there's, for people listening to this, there's so much wisdom coming out of this young lady right here that for, for her to sit there and say, you know, I want to be a better version of myself every day. Most people look at, you know, the competition is somebody else. It's another business. It's, you know, oh, I want to have what so-and-so has. And, and to be able to sit there and say, yeah, I just want to 
be a better me. That mm-hmm. that that that's amazing. So so good for you. You know, you're inspiring me here. So uh, <laughs> good you. for you. And, and I'm old as dirt. So for you to be able to inspire <laughs> me, that's awesome. Um, so when you started, um, and, and and you can pick any of the business here. What would you say was probably your number one challenge? Let, let's let's use the, the virtual assistant company. Mm-hmm. What would you say was your number one challenge in starting that, and how did you overcome it? Ooh, number one challenge. You know what's weird? This is an outsource aid, so my virtual assistant one, but really right. all of them is I am really like, this sounds a little bit cocky, but I am really good at setting up a business. I'm really good at the systems and the SOPs, the standard operating procedures yeah, yeah. and building every single thing in place. And then it comes to like, all right, your business is made. All you got to do is client acquisition. Right. That's when I'm like, oh, but I don't want to. Like for all of them, it's like, okay, it's I teed myself up, and then that's where other people thrive, and that's yeah. where I'm like, no, I just want to sit back the, and and manage the systems that I've made. Yeah. yeah. So it is. That's why I really do have to literally get up and network. It's because I find my I don't want to call. I don't want to email. I just I want to manage the systems. Right. So that is client acquisition. I think that's everyone's kind of weak spot. And that's that's mine as well. So physically networking is one of the solutions to my issue. Right. And, and you know what? I'm I'm a lot the same. And for me, like I said, I'm an idea guy. And it's always the thrill of the concept seeing and, and people don't understand when you talked about SOPs, how important it is to have that process, um, you know, whether you call it your customer journey or whatever it is that needs to be so tight that you can pass it on to somebody else and you know it's gonna be done exactly the way it's supposed to be done. There's no gray areas, there's no, well, so-and-so is doing it this way. And even though they say, you know what, there's more than one way to skin a cat, the more tight you can have your processes and your customer journeys and your SOP, definitely, you know, there's no confusion. And mm-hmm. and I'm a lot the same way for me. It's the concept. It's getting it done, and it's like, okay, I, I don't want to do any more. I need customers. Mm-hmm. I I don't want to make money out. I just wanted to see it come to life. So yeah, so I know exactly what what you meant. And for me, a lot of my life too, I was very introverted. So it can mm-hmm. be very tough to get out there and do that networking and you know talk to those people and and break out of that shell. So. So that's our, now I don't take you as being introverted. Are, are you very much an extrovert? Do you enjoy, I, I know you didn't, you say you didn't want to make them, but when you get out mm-hmm. to these networking events, do you enjoy being there? Do you enjoy talking to the people? So I would define myself as an extroverted introvert. Okay. So I don't ever have the the burning desire to like go out and network or <laughs> go out to a club or go out to you know dinner with a group of people. I don't have the urge, but once I'm out, I can rule the the room. I can own the room for like two hours, three hours, however long I need to. And then I'm drained and I'm done. I got to go home. So like extroverts, you know, they get, they get energy when they're in public. I have it, but I I lose energy when I'm, so I'm like, I'm a little bit of both. Yeah. And and I'm a lot the same, except uh, I'm the type that I, I'm not big on starting conversations, Mm -hmm. but I'll carry on the conversation. Like you said, for hours, once it started, I've never been a, mm-hmm. a big one for just approaching total strangers and saying, oh, hey, how yeah. you doing? Tell me about yourself. So um, now, can you think of a, a time and, and we can go to any business here where y- you had a, a failure? And mm-hmm. can you maybe talk us through it and, you know, 
how did you bounce back from that? Yeah. Um, I don't know if it's a me thing or an entrepreneur thing, but I don't acknowledge failures. Like I really like there was like a book and you're like, everyone fails. And I'm like, I don't think I've ever failed in my life. Yeah. And I, I do. I have failed probably every day, but I don't even see it as failures. Like you said, I see them as lessons and right. I don't even process as failures. Um, the one, I guess, big one that I always point to is the digital marketing agency. To me, I guess that can be seen as a failure, right? I started a business, I built it, and then I instantly got rid of it, Right. you know? Um, And the lesson in that is really when you see that something is not sustainable, it's not moving forward, it's not maybe going to be profitable, you have to know and have the ability to let go. Right. Like sometimes there's a difference between pivoting and really just like letting go and moving on. And I'm, I'm really proud of that. And I'm really happy I did that. So I guess that's a failure and that's the kind of lesson that came with it. Right. And, you know, I I wouldn't call that a failure at all because too many people, right. And and this is the thing about being entrepreneurial. You've done, you know, three different businesses here, you know, and and not counting public school where you're selling tech decks, where (laughs) I probably have a couple of my sons here. I can maybe ship you to get, make us some money on, but, but, um, you recognize too many people get, okay, you know, this is what I want to do. And it's not making money. It's and they either stay in it too long because they don't recognize that. Okay, yeah, there is really no end game here. Um, mm-hmm. And then they say, "Well, I couldn't make it at that, <clears throat> so I'm not going to make it at something else." So, so having the you know the where for all to recognize that and say, yeah, A, I'm not really passionate about it anyhow, and B, it's not going the way I thought it would, so it's time to get out, mm-hmm. right? That's something that too many people, you know, don't do. They sit in it, sit in it, and then before you know it, yeah, shit, you know what, I'm mortgaging my house, I'm doing whatever, because I thought, ah, oh, just one more, just one more. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, I wouldn't call that a failure. All good for you to, for recognizing that. So, um, So, you know, you say you never look at, things as failures but is there at any point through any of these businesses where you had self-doubt where you had you know uh, i've had uh, an expert on for imposter syndrome where you felt Mm -hmm. like yeah you know what this isn't really and and i'm gonna assume maybe with the digital marketing but where you thought yeah this isn't really me people are gonna figure out that i have no idea what the hell i'm talking about or you know where you just had the self-doubt and how did you push through that Mm-hmm. So again, fortunately, I think I'm thanks to my main mentor, my father, I'm very self-confident and a little Good. bit cocky. And right. that is a superpower. And I really think you can, anyone can embody that, you know, just pretend for a couple hours at a networking event that you're super confident right. and you will be. But um, so I really don't have too much self-doubt and that really helps with the fake it till you make it. Because I think if you exude some confidence, and whatever you're doing, people will buy it. All ad- Once you become an adult, and I guess I'm a young adult, you yeah. realize every adult is just faking it, essentially. So right. it's it's makes everything a lot less intimidating. Um, but what were you what you were saying about imposter syndrome is, yeah, I, I mean, I do get that for my first big ticket. I just did a project for someone and it didn't take me really any time. But I, I knew the value. I knew it was extremely valuable, valuable for that person. Right. And I charged about fifty five hundred for that one project. That's when I got the first sense of like imposter syndrome, because I'm like, oh, my God, like that took me like an hour. But like, I know it's valuable, <laughs> but like that's a lot of money. And yeah. so. 
I feel like that's when imposter syndrome can set in is, but you do have to know your value. Always charge by the value. Do not charge by time. That's another tip. Right. Good for you. And now talking about that, where do you, how do you set that value? How do you determine that value? Because, you know, I see it, I, I been a photographer a long time and, um, you know, I have an automotive photography company as well, but, um, one thing I noticed in that marketplace is people are always undercutting, undercutting because they feel, okay, you know what, if people can just see my work and they don't value themselves, they don't think about, yeah, but the equipment I have is I've got $10,000 worth of equipment or whatever. And my time, you know, people Mm -hmm. don't value themselves. So, so how do you determine, and is there any tips or tricks you would give on determining what your value is and, and not undercutting yourself? Yeah. So undercutting, um, or like price matching is basically a race to the bottom, you know, kind of like target and Walmart or something. They're going to, Ooh, we're lower, we're lower, we're lower. Well, you're just killing each other. I mean, it's a race to the bottom. So really what you want to do is higher ticket, the better and do something different to differentiate yourself, whether that's, you know, speed or the convenience of it, or a niche is the quickest and easiest way to be able to charge higher for something, you know, riches are in the niches. Yeah. So, you know, don't say, yeah, uh, what do you do? Oh, I'm a photographer. Like, okay, that they can charge generic, right? But if you say, oh, I'm a photographer for moms during their third trimesters, moms of, let's say, sons. So so as specific as you can get, people hear that and they go, oh, my God, that's exactly me. And they're going to be willing to pay triple. So really just find a way not to undercut. Sure, if you're a new entrepreneur, you're going to have to give some discounts or do some free work. But really quickly on, find a niche, find something to distinguish yourself and charge triple what you're thinking. Right. Yeah. And that's awesome. The riches are in the niches for sure. And it can sometimes be... A little trial and error to figure out the, the niches. You can, like, mm-hmm. I can say, you know, I, I've been a photographer. I, I shot motocross. I shot uh, landscape, which I never really had the eye for landscape. Um, mm-hmm. I shot models. Um, and, and I found, yeah, my niche was in automotive. Um, but it took a while to get there. So, so you know, I think that's important as well. And we talked about how people give up too soon just because you start down one path doesn't mean that you know there's not two or three forks that you can just back up and try another fork and and never give up on yourself too early just Mm -hmm. find that niche and keep keep pushing so so what is you know you talked about some key points here what do you think are maybe some of the biggest issues that you think new entrepreneurs um some of the mistakes that they make and i think we just talked about one there but yeah. Well, like like we were just saying, not niching down. So kind of trying to be everything for everyone. Right. That's definitely kind of a rookie mistake move. Um, God, what's another one? I mean, something that I personally experience all the time, but look, luckily I'm like cognizant of it. I'm aware of it is being really impatient. So I feel like younger people are maybe all entrepreneurs like, like legitimately, I thought I was going to be a millionaire by now. I'm 22 and one of my businesses is a year old and that's how cocky I was. (laughs) I know I'm doing great. And like on on the long-term scale, I I, I am progressing every day and I'm doing fantastic, but it really is the slower you move and you put your pieces in place and you figure out what the most profitable niche is and what, you know, get those systems in order, there's going to be a greater compounding interest down the road and you'll be 
so much richer. Whereas if you kind of try to speed that up and cut corners, you're going to get rich fast, maybe, but it's not going to last as long. So definitely take a breath, put the foundations in place, stop trying to cut corners, um, you know, surround yourself with the right people. You are who you surround yourself with. That's why I don't have too many friends. There's not (laughs) a lot of smart 22 year olds right now. No, absolutely. You're Um, absolutely right. So that's not a lot of, uh, don'ts, I guess, but that's a lot of tips of what to do. Yeah, no. And that's great. And, and, you know, you said something there that I'm guilty of myself and that's patience. I, I, for the longest time was the most impatient person. And I think a lot of it too comes down to the society we live in. Um, you know, we can get instant gratification for most things, right? Just Mm -hmm. go on the internet. We can find out what we want within 30 seconds. I mean, let's look at TikTok. TikTok is the latest, greatest phase, right? But if if you're putting up a video that is longer 15, 30 seconds, people have lost interest. Right. Mm-hmm. They've, they've gone on to something else. So so I think that is key in, you know what, you need to be patient because they say mm-hmm. mo- most businesses will fail within the first five years. I think they failed because most people gave up within the first, you know, 60, 90, 120 days because, wait a minute, they told me I'd make money starting my own business. Mm-hmm. So that's mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that's that's huge. So um I wanted to ask you with what's going on with, uh, you know, outsource aid, what are you excited about right now with that company? What's, uh, you know, what's getting you fired up every day about the business? Yeah, I really like it. So right now, just like what we were ironically talking about niches and niches and stuff. And I haven't yet, which I think is funny and it's not for lack of trying. I'm definitely trying to find specifics, but it's trial and error, right? I try the health insurance agent or industry. That's what my dad sent. So I'm like, oh, maybe I'll, you know, I'll have connections and they just don't know how to use them. So it wasn't the best one. Or, you know, if you're in the health insurance industry, maybe you do, but, (laughs) um, you know, so I, I, it's a little bit of dipping my toe in. I think that's kind of a fun part, but, um, lately I have been trying, I've kind of found a niche. I am excited about that. Um, I have one huge client right now in um, he needs call center agents, which is definitely a biggie. Obviously, a lot of people um, need call center help, you know, making inbound or outbound calls, stuff like that. And they purchase virtual assistants in mass, which is fantastic for the company. And then I also um, have been meeting with I've been doing a lot of podcasts. So podcasters who need people to cut and edit for them. So I've been doing a lot of that. So there's kind of two and they're so different, right? but it's been really fun sourcing for them. So that's kind of the, the latest update. Yeah, no, that's great. And uh, like you say, it can be, you know, kind of trial and error because you're not coming from those industries. So you don't really know possibly what they need. So you're just yeah. kind of throwing, you know, it's like fishing. You're throwing a line out there and seeing if, you know, oh, that's not the right bait. So let's try and figure out, you know, how can I service that industry? So, um, but yeah, call centers, I can see call centers, you know, mm. definitely being a huge one. And, and the podcast industry as well, because like I said, you know, before we even started, there's a lot of work to this. Like people maybe don't realize, hey, I'm just going to grab a mic and, and, you know, talk and I'm going to make lots of money. I'm going to be the next Joe Rogan. Uh, no, no, you're not. So, so, you know, you might as well stop thinking that right now, but, Mm -hmm. but there is a lot of work that goes on behind the scenes. So yeah, if you can start offering that to people, then that's great. Um, Mm -hmm. so I I wanted to ask you, um, 
obviously AI, chat GPT and things like that, right? It, it's here to stay and it's just growing like wildfire. I mean, every day you're seeing something else. Um, do you utilize that in your industry? And, you know, do you think it will harm or hinder or improve uh, the virtual assistant industry? It depends on, obviously, if call center is kind of what I'm niching down in, it won't really affect that too much. I mean, you really need warm bodies to be answering some specific questions. Now, right. in a way, with chatbots and stuff, it can totally replace a human being for the most part. But I'm not too worried because really the smart entrepreneurs <laughs> are we're only going to find a way to leverage AI. It's right. not going to affect anyone. It's actually going to make you richer if you know how to use it. So, for example, in my business with one of my virtual assistants that I'm working with on a client, instead of if this one is a podcast, for example, they're going they use AI to transcribe the podcast. They ask one question and have them make it into an article. That right. article is then published to LinkedIn, and then they use it to create a description, a YouTube title, and kind of like the three takeaways from it. Yeah. And then that can be published or repurposed on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, whatever. Right. Um, and the, all of that's using AI. Now they're having a virtual assistant actually do all the research and using the AI, but you know, there's a way to take advantage of it and help you repurpose and heck you could be doing that with your show, but it's all about perspective. So we're using it to our advantage at the moment. Right. Yeah. And that's great. And, and it's like, you know, anything, I think it's one of those tools that you want to get on early um, mm -hmm. because eventually, you know what, it's going to be used by everybody and it'll kind of lose its shine. It'll kind of lose, you know, its excitement and then we'll be on to something else. So uh, mm -hmm. it's, it's like we talked about earlier, right? You got to pivot, you got to keep educating yourself. You, you got to keep on top of the trends. So, um, and that's kind of social media has always been my downfall. It, it's just probably where I am the weakest as far as, you know, getting my marketing out, but mm -hmm. I'll, I'll keep pushing on. So, um, so listen, I, I, before we start wrapping up here, I wanted to ask you, you know, you're, you're 22, you, you know, you say there's not much of a social life. What are some mm -hmm. of the, the, um, Oh, things you've given up, I guess, right? Some of the hard decisions you've had to make in order to do the things you want to do. Mm -hmm. So fortunately, I've never been big on partying and drinking and going out and doing all those things that I really think are regrettable mistakes that some people are making. <laughs> right, so right. I don't see much of that as a loss. Now, my parents were like, you're going to regret leaving college early. And, you know, I don't because that's just not who I am. Okay. One thing I do, I am concerned that in a couple of years or 10 years, I might look back is, man, I wish I traveled more in my 20s. Um, so because traveling is huge, I want to, yeah. you know, go back to Europe and see the world. And my mindset is, you know, once I have the money, exactly, then I'll go. Yes. And, I think that, you know, that finish line is just going to keep moving and I'll keep saying, you know, when I'm making 50,000 a month, then I'll right. go. Um, right. So it's really, and this applies to all entrepreneurs, forcing yourself to do it now because that finish line is always going to move it's always, and you're yes. going to regret. Yes. You're going to have to regret if you don't do it. So right. um, I'm forcing myself to travel this year. I haven't done it in a couple of years and I've been blaming COVID and stuff, but that's the one thing. Right. And, and you know what you, you brought up about the finish line? I, I think that finish line needs to move. Uh, mm -hmm. And I, and I don't think as entrepreneurs, you know, unless you want to grow your business to, to a certain point and and have an exit plan, but 
you know, we talk about putting plans in place and, and, you know, working towards them. But then once you hit that, you know, it's kind of like, well, okay, now what? Mm -hmm. Right. And it's kind of like, well, okay, well, I either have an exit plan and I, I move on from this business or I set the goal now just a little bit further and a little bit further. And, and like you say, you know what, the traveling is going to come and you're going to enjoy it so much more when you have the money to be able to enjoy it because there's yeah. so many beautiful, wonderful things out there. And, you know, unfortunately, some of them cost money. <laughs> like, <laughs> so, yeah. you know, you, you, if you don't have to use that credit card and, uh, you know, the, the credit card processing to, to, um, to pay for those trips, then, hey, that's, that's the way to be. That is success, right? Regardless of what you deem to be success. And that was a question I was going to ask you. What do you personally consider to be success? And what do you consider to be success for your business? Wow, that's actually a hard question. Because success is so, you know, subjective. And just Absolutely. like you said, I think it is, It it's like almost fluid, like it, it moves around, you know, it's definition in my head. So success, you know, for my business, I guess a lot of people put a price on it, right. not a price tag, but like, yeah, oh, my a dollar amount. Successful. Yeah, yeah. When it's making yeah. 10,000 net profit per month. Right. And that actually is what my goal is right now. And I'm about like a hundred bucks off. So I'm very oh, wow. close. Good for you. Um, not there yet, but very close. And and that's total. So I but then again, the second I hit that, which is probably gonna be not by the end of this month, that's the end of this month yeah. is tomorrow, but yeah. next month, then I just have to move it. So it is right. gonna keep moving, but success for me really is kind of an image. So success, I vision it and it's me buying a first class seat on a plane and not hyperventilating, right? It's being able to buy a luxury and not feel crippling guilt. It's being able to, you know, buy my future kids that don't exist, that <laughs> toy they want and, you know, not feeling bad about it. It's being able to buy experiences right. and not really flinch because I can afford it. So that's, that's an idea of success, I yeah, guess. Absolutely. Now you brought up about, you know, buying a luxury item. So if money were no object, what's one luxury item you would buy yourself? It's not even an item. So it's not like, you know, oh, I want this watch or I want yeah. that Mercedes. And even though that'd be great, I mean, that'd be nice, but it really is. I want to be able to buy that first class seat ticket to Europe. I want to stay, you know, in an all-inclusive for 14 days and, yeah. you know, not blink an eye. That is what luxury is for me. It's right. traveling with no thought of expenses. Right. And, and two, and one thing that, um, you know, a lot of people don't realize is success. And you talked you said 14 days success is being in control of your time, right? Having that because that that's our greatest gift, right? Everybody thinks it's mm -hmm. money. No, it's time when you can have that freedom of your time to do that trip 14 days and then decide, ah, you know what, eh, we're going to make it 21. Because mm -hmm. A, you put the SOPs in place, right? Mm -hmm. You know your business is running fine, even though it's always in the back of your mind. It, it's like a child. You, you can't escape your business. Mm -hmm. um, you're always going to you know, be thinking about it, but it's that time freedom that, uh, that is a success for, for a lot of entrepreneurs. So, um, so listen, any words of advice for you know, somebody your age, because let's face it, like you said, you know what, you're kind of an anomaly. There's not a lot of 20 year olds who are out there, you know, cutting their own teeth, becoming successful. So 
what advice would you give to anybody who is, you know, sitting in college right now, possibly listening and thinking, yeah, you know what? I want to do that. What advice would you give them? The two best characteristics that you can work on and develop, and I really do think you can work on it and improve, is persistency and consistency. So the consistency to do the boring stuff every single day. Because social media really makes entrepreneurship look fun and hot and new and trendy. But really, it is reading reading those 10 pages every single day, writing the SOPs and improving them every single day. Um, doing the cold emails, even though you hate it every single day. So it's the consistency to do the boring stuff and the persistency to not give up when it's not making you $10 million in your first year. So be consistent and be persistent. Do not let failures uh, deter you. Don't let it stop you. There are lessons and keep going. So those are the two main things that I want people to really work on and develop and that are my age or any age. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that is timeless for sure. That one, like you said, uh, it doesn't matter the age. So, um, and, and you know, it's funny how you said about the internet makes it look so easy and so glamorous and so flashy. I, I had a guest on who, you know, his company's doing a hundred million a year. And he says, you know, I've had more toys than, than I can remember. And he says, I've been lucky if on a Sunday for an hour, maybe I got to use one of them because it's not flashy it's not easy it's not oh listen you know just just do these couple of things and you're going to make forty thousand dollars in your sleep Mm, no Mm -hmm. sorry and and that's where you know weeding through the shit and just it's not sexy it's not glamorous but it'll get you to where you want to be so Mm -hmm. so that's awesome so Listen, Nikki, you know what? It's been great having you on. If people want to know more, if people possibly want to, you know, utilize your services for the virtual assistance, because, you know, I can say I've used them myself and, and it is a great, great uh, add on um, to, to your business. So how can people learn more and how can people get in contact with you? Yeah. So thanks for the plug. You can just find Outsource Aid at youroutsourceaid.com. Super easy. It's probably going to be in the show notes if there's show notes. Absolutely. And yeah. then for me, if you want to follow me on anything, I literally just have Instagram. That's that's it for Gen Z. I just right. am not on too much social media, but it's just my name. So it's Nikki, N-I-C-K-I-E, Cobble, C-O-B-B-L-E. I don't even post business, but you know, you can right. follow me anyway. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, listen, you know what? It's been great having you. Um, I, I want to thank the listeners for allowing myself, allowing Nikki into your world. I appreciate it. You know what? I hope you got some inspiration. If you didn't, you know what? Then you were asleep through this damn thing. So, uh, cause if this young lady can't inspire you, then I don't know who can. Um, thank you for allowing us into your room, uh, into your life. You know what? I've started this journey with you. We're going to continue this journey. We're going to see you all become the legends you want to be. So before we wrap up here, you know, I always wrap up with a golden nugget. And I want to share a a short story with you. Um, And it's about a a gentleman who went into an elephant camp um, in India. And as he was walking through the elephant camp, you know, he spotted that he noticed that the elephants weren't, weren't being in cages. They, they weren't being held back by chains. Um, you know, all that was holding them was a small piece of string that was tied around their leg. And, and he's looking at these, you know, massive animals and this small piece of string, and he's completely confused because they're not even trying to get loose. They're just standing there, and and he's very confused by this. So he, he asks one of the trainers, he sees one of the trainers, he says, 
why why are the elephants just standing there why do they not try to escape and the trainer said to him he said when they're very young we use that piece of rope to keep them you know tied down and it is strong enough to hold them no matter how much they try when they're smaller so as they grow up then they become conditioned to believe that this piece of rope is around my leg so there's no sense trying because i've tried many times before i'm not going to break free so the only reason they weren't breaking free was because you know they adopted this belief i, I can't do it so what's the moral of the story i think there's too many aspiring entrepreneurs out there who become elephants early in their journey they run into you know problems they run into let's call it tides that bind like these elephants and you know as much as they try they just find that i can't break free i can't do it i can't you know find find the way so so they give up because you can't see the potential in yourself if these elephants could see how big they were how powerful they were they would break those ties that bind so I want you to not become that elephant. Just try once more. That path maybe isn't always clear, but you're going to get down that path and you're going to become that legend that you and I know you're destined to be. With that being said, that's a wrap. Talk to you all soon. Hey, everybody. I just want to thank you for joining us on today's episode. I hope you got some value out of it. I hope you got some education. I hope you got some inspiration to help you on your way and your journey to becoming that entrepreneur you know you deserve to be. Now listen, if there's anything you're struggling with, any questions you would like answered, any subject you would like us to cover, reach out to me. And if you're somebody who would like to be a guest on the show to share your knowledge, to share your inspiration, to help that next group of entrepreneurs get to where they want to be, I would love to have you on the show. Once again, thanks for listening. Truly appreciate you. Now go out there and start turning that dream into a reality.